We are finishing up our worship series. Can I hear you say, yeah? yeah. So we've been teaching on worship because my heart, my desire, and I feel like what the Lord asked me to do was to prepare you to be men and women of worship and uh, to teach you and to remind you, I know you are, but to remind you that all of the world's problems, they're not getting better, they're getting worse. But if we can encapsulate ourselves, encapsulate ourselves in God's presence through worship, that we'll be just fine. We'll be, like, we'll be like Noah and his family in the ark. No matter what's storming outside, no matter how much death and destruction, we'll be safe in his presence. Isn't that good? Say yes. And so we started this series. Let's review for just a moment because some of you weren't with us the last couple weeks. And, and uh, let's review the first uh, part of our series. Uh, Pastor Ryan Aldaffer, he... Um, he took off, uh, excuse me, he and his wife and their team, we are planning a church in Chattanooga, another church on the hill, we're calling it the rally, and, uh, and by the way, you gave $10,000 to help them go plant that church, give yourselves a hand, best church in the world, right there, golly, I'm so proud of you, but we had him minister to us that last week before they left, and laid hands on him, and he started the worship series, and he, and he had a key scripture, and I want us just to quote that together, or read that out loud together, will you look on the board, and let's quote Psalms 103, verses 1 through 5 together, say it with me, say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives our iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Come on, say yeah! Yeah. That's a good scripture to memorize and hold on to because God, as we worship him, is always reminding us he's healing our diseases. Come on, he's renewing our youth. How many want some renewed youth? I'm feeling it right now. In my mid-40s, my shoulders stopped working last week. I was like, I bind the devil. And my wife was like, baby, I just think you're getting old. And I'm like, I bind you. Every bit of My youth like the eagles. I don't know how youthfulness the eagles are, but I want that. And so Pastor Ryan made two major points in his message that I want to remind you of in our first week of talking about worship in this worship series. Number one, that worship has many different facets. It's just not when we sing in a service. Um, that worship can, can be, what worship really is, is us, worth-ship, worship, is, is applying God's worth to who he is. And saying that you're worth more than anything else in our lives. And so we can do that as we drive to work. We can, we can sing, we can shout, we can praise. Uh, we're worshiping when we, uh, when we bless someone in need. We're worshiping when we help out someone who's broke down on the side of the road. We're worshiping when we're meditating on the goodness of God. There are many facets of worship. And the reason why that was important, because if you came from different type of denominational backgrounds or different worship experiences, you had an identification of what you thought worship was. And we were trying to point out in Scripture, to you that it's more faceted than what you probably were limited to. In fact, I, I grew up in a church, uh, I got saved in Church of Christ, and, uh, and non-instrumental. So everything you did today was full of the devil, based on how I was raised. And then as I began to study scripture, I found out that David played the harp. He played, they played the lyre and the syndrome and, 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 and the drums, and they shouted and they danced. And I was like, well, if David could do it, we should be doing it, since he was the man after God's own heart. And so Pastor Ryan brought that out to us, and he brought out a real significant point that I wanted to be sure and he and I developed that message together and that was pure worship really is the result of complete surrender. It's less about the words of the song or how you demonstrate yourself before the Lord and it's much more about surrender. Worship is saying you're bigger than me and I recognize my need for you. I am not the God of my life. You are the God of my you are Lord. That's what worship is. It's much more about surrender and less about, you know, um, how we look or how we sound or what anybody thinks of our expression. Isn't that good? Say yes. And then last week, man, this great preacher came in. Dude, that man of God brought the word about us being worshiping warriors. For you guys that weren't here, that, that was me. And, uh, and, and, I, and I had two real purposes uh, my first purpose in teaching you on the worshiping warrior concept was that I want to dispel the concept that worship means being emasculated. Come on. 
And I really wanted to go after that. And, and I don't know how it happened over the years, but it even seems to me in the years recently that even most of the presentation of worship is, by, is, is in a process of, you know, we just love you, Lord, and we just say you're so good. And, and, and it seems like more the ladies are the ones who worship, and we the men just kind of stand there. And I just, I, I, I just wanted you to know that worship was as much about warfare and being manly and being vibrant and being on fire than it ever is about just being uh, introspective, and, 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 and I really, I brought that out by talking about David. The Bible calls him again the man after God's own heart, and David who killed his tens of thousands, who the Bible calls a ruddy complexion. I imagine he had whiskers everywhere, uh, who lived in caves, and, and who just was a man's man. And literally, by the end of his fingertips, not only had he killed hundreds, probably, but he also took that sword and hacked off the giant's head, and then you know, took that thing, that bloody deal, up above his head. And that's the guy who wrote 75 of the 150 Psalms. That's the guy who sat in the presence of the Lord and said, I love you, Daddy. I love you. I need you more than life itself. And I wanted you to understand that worship had a power to it. And I began to teach you some of the powers of worship. And I brought you four points. I want to review them just a moment. Number one, that worship ignites the presence of God. It ignites the presence of God. He said, I just don't feel the Lord. I just don't feel the Lord. I don't know. You guys all seem to feel the Lord. How about you begin to worship because that will ignite his presence. The Bible says he inhabits to live in and habits, to dwell in the praises of his people. I heard Billy Graham preach a message about that, you know, some 20 years ago. And it really it stuck with me. It, it marked me that when I praise, when I worship, God says, in that I can live. Amen. In that I can dwell. In that I can abide. So if you're struggling to sense God, to know God, you're having difficulty in your mind, you're frustrated, you're depressed, begin worshiping, I promise you, it will ignite his presence into your situation. Number two, we taught you that worship is how we allow God to fight our battles. The power of worship causes God to go fight our battles. We pointed out a number of passages of scripture about that. When you begin to worship, you say, I can't fix it. I can't do it. You can, and so I'm going to let you do what you do because you're God, and I'm just going to sit here and let you be God as I give you the attention you deserve. That's what worship does. It causes God to fight your battles. You keep trying to change him, sweetheart, and it ain't working. Once you start worshiping about it, God will go fight it for you. You keep trying to get them to give you a raise and a bonus, and they keep treating you like dirt. Once you just start worshiping God in that place of business, in that place where you do, do most of your time, you know, and begin to worship. And I promise you, God will go fight that battle until that person who's been a stick in the mud, that person who's been blocking your promotion, they'll end up either getting fired or have a dream or a vision. And before they know it, they're giving you promotion. Look all throughout Scripture with Daniel and all the rest of them all throughout Scripture. That's God's plan. Worship causes others to desire God. That was our other point, the power of worship. When you and I begin to worship, people look at us and go, wow, you got something I don't have. You have a confidence and a trust and a security I don't possess. I want what you got. And we read that passage out of Psalms. It says, and they will see, they will repent and put their trust in the Lord when they see our worship. The last piece that I, I told you about, the power of worship, that worship brings your soul into alignment with God. Your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. Even last night, even last night I was preparing, and, and we'd been preparing all week for this message, and I knew it was Memorial Day weekend, and I just, man, I'm talking to different members of our church. Hey, Pastor, sorry, we're out of town. And then this one, you know, we got this thing going on because of Memorial Day weekend. We took a four-day weekend, and we're out, blah, blah, blah. And I just knew, I knew in my heart of hearts, I was like, oh, snap. There ain't going to be nobody at church this week. It's going to rain. And I was in here, you know, last night at midnight. Oh, man, God. And God's like, hey, haven't you been preaching something about worship? Come on. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Kick yourself in the butt. Yeah. And I just started worshiping. I said, God, you're good. I, all around this altar, everywhere you're sitting, I just began to worship. I said, you're good. Lord, who cares who doesn't come? There's going to be some amazing people who do come. And, you're pre- and man, all of a sudden, my emotions got right. Come on now. My thinking got right. Because it aligned me with what God wanted instead of the fears and insecurities of my own life. Are you with me? Say yes. That's the power I want you to possess. Well, today, as we go into our last and final part of our worship series, I wanted to teach you a little bit about the practicals of worship in your everyday, everyday life. And I thought, you know, this is kind of silly for me, the lead pastor, to be doing all the teaching and ministering on worship when we've got the sexiest worship pastor on the whole planet. So would you give Pastor Lance Byler a hand as he comes up here and helps me bring the Word of God with you today? Come on, baby. Mm, you the man, you the man. Have a seat. We thought today we kind of do like a Jimmy Fallon kind of set today. Yeah. 
So how's your summer? How's your summer been? All right, little Dr. Phil. So tell me. How did that make you feel? <laughs> How did that make you feel? Father, we pray your blessings over our time together and that every man and woman in this room would be able to grow from what we're teaching and, and what we're experiencing. God, we ask you that you would just give wisdom and revelation. And Lord, for the practical pieces, everyday life. Lord, some of us, uh, we've been taught that worship is just on Sundays. That's what I was taught. And I didn't know how to worship you all throughout the day, throughout the week. And, uh, and, Lord, I thank you you've taught me that. And Pastor Lance has some great wisdom. Lord, just pour it out on us today. And may we, may we lead this place a little smarter, a little stronger. Jesus. And, Lord, God, a lot more connected to you. In Jesus' yes. name, and everybody shout it, amen. amen. Pastor Lance, I want to start with a question. You know, um, here in our congregational worship, um, you know, the church I grew up in, no one lifted their hands. But in this church, we actually lift our hands. And, and I lift my hands throughout the day. Yeah. Why do we lift hands? What, what is significant about that in Scripture? Yeah, I think... I think it boils down to two things. Lifting hands, um, number one, as we all know, it, it's, it's sort of a sign of surrender, right? Right. Um, number two, it is, it's just a celebration of victory. Mm. Um, it's a celebration of who God is. In fact, there's a scripture um, that I'm going to use. It's uh, in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 22. And uh, I want to kind of give a little bit of backstory. 1 Kings... Um, starts off uh, just kind of explaining about the uh, the story of King Solomon, mm-hmm. and if you don't know who that is, um, King Solomon is King David's son. So, King David, we were talking a lot about, about King David yep. the last couple weeks, and um, you know he's this renowned worship leader, this renowned uh, warrior, all of that stuff that we, that we talked about last week. Um, and so, this is his son. Yeah. So he's established as king, and then God comes to him um, and says. Based on the merits of your father, so based on the seed that your father has sown, his faithfulness, yep. his devotion to me, um, uh, what do you want, essentially? What, yeah. what, what do you want? So I'll I give will, you anything. Yeah, what I'll give you, you anything. And, um, and so in this moment, he asks for wisdom. He says, God, give me wisdom. Give me, give me, give me the strength to lead all that to stuff. To lead these people. Give me wisdom on how yeah. to do this, yeah. And, and so in this moment, God says, okay, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you prosperity. I'm going to give you blessing. I'm going to give you uh, riches. riches. I'm yep. going to give you all of these things. I'm going to bless you. And so um, from here, then, uh, Solomon begins to build the temple. Now, this is a very important um, time in, in Israel's history um, before um, the temple was sort of this um, mobile structure that was built to house the Ark of the Covenant, which essentially is the presence of God. It was a big tent. Yeah. yeah. That's all it really was. Yeah. And so David initially had this passion to build this temple for God's presence, but God said, um, there's too much bloodshed on your hands, so you've killed too many people. Um, so I'm going to give this to your son. And so Solomon has this opportunity now. He's got all this wealth. He's got all of this stuff amassed. And you even said it in, in the first service yeah. that, that David had taken. David gave half his wealth to this project yeah. and literally uh, went before all of Israel and said, we need a place for the habitation of the Lord. We yeah. nearly need to build a structure that's beautiful and magnis- yeah. magnificent. I'm going to give half of all my wealth. And all of his leaders did. And then the Bible says the people began to come and bring it, so yep. much so that they had too much. Mm. And they said, you've got to stop bringing it. We, got, we can't even manage all of the, the gold and all the wealth that you're bringing to build this temple. Yep. Yeah. So in chapter 8 now, so we fast forward, the, the, the temple's just been built. And um, chapter 8, verse 22, Solomon is giving this prayer. And it's magnificent. Yeah. This I is mean, you explained lavished. it in first service like you won the lottery and you got to... Yeah, so imagine, um, so imagine you're, you're, you're uh, living in an apartment all your life. Let's say you're living 20 years and you and your family are in your apartment, and then you win the lottery and build your dream home. This is that moment where the home is built, it's furnished, everything's in there, and you step into it for the first time, and you're looking around, and this is everything you want in a house. This is that moment for the nation of and Israel. And MTV Cribs are there. Yeah, yeah. 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 Ryan Seacrest and all that kind of stuff. I don't even know if he's... Anyway, that's random. Um, they- <laughs> so, yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so chapter 8, verse 22. So this is the moment the children of Israel are, are uh, gathered in this big, huge group, and Solomon comes before them. And um, this is just a really cool uh, portion of Scripture. Um, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 22, it says this, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread his hands out 
towards heaven. And we don't, it doesn't say specifically how he did it. I love the video a couple weeks ago that Pastor Ryan showed. You know, we don't know if he was doing the goalposts or if he was doing the, you know, the, what is yeah. it, the tomahawk or the wash the windows thing. Right. But he puts his hands up. Up towards heaven. Up towards heaven. And he says this, uh, in verse 23. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on the earth below like you who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. He goes on in the next couple verses just to continue to worship the Lord um, and more specifically um, to call forth the promises that God had promised the people of Israel. Yeah. He reminds the Lord, I always find that ironic that we yeah. have to remind the Lord what he said because he's God, he forgot, yeah. right? Um, but he remind, he, he's, he's calling forth these promises. And so in this moment we see, number one, um, the king of Israel, the yeah. king of one of the most powerful nations the on the guy earth, on the, planet the richest man on the planet at that moment saying, God, because of you, yeah. surrender. Number two, we see God Thank you for this victory. You promised this, yep. and so X, Y, Z, boom, boom, boom. Yep. And so this moment. And he's moment, giving control back to the Father. Yes. He's saying, listen, I may be the king of Israel, but you're the king of everyone. Yeah. And he's giving control. And so when we lift our hands, what that is is a sign I'm giving you control. I, I, listen, yeah. I can't steer this thing right. I keep putting it in the ditch. I'm giving you control. And that's what that sign is. And that's why we'll, when we come in, in corporate worship, we'll tell you, come on, lift your hands. Why? Because we're wanting you to say to you, to you, remind yourself, hey, God, you're in control. Yeah. You got this. Whatever you want to do, yep. my life is in your hands. However right. you need me to be, I want to be in your hands. So you'll see me sometimes. I'll, I'll walk around the house sometimes when I'm going through something. I'll just lift up my hand and say, God, I bless you. And yep. you're in control. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do with these terrible kids. No, I'm just kidding. I got the best kids in the world. Lord, but whatever, whatever you want to do with my co-workers who are full of the devil. No, I can't say that either because it's all the pastors here on staff. Lord, whatever, whatever you want to do with my life, I just surrender right now. And you're in control. And we see that, and I love that you brought this out, with the coolest king of Israel. Yeah. I mean, he's the wealthiest. Literally, the Bible talks about how, how, the, how the queen of Egypt comes to learn from him. To tell me how you do this. And he has this wisdom from God. And he still recognizes you're in control, Lord. And give that control back to him. And that's literally, look, I love what Psalm says. Psalms 134, you'll see it on the screen, verse 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Can we do that for just a moment? Lift up your hands and praise the Lord. Lord, we give you control of our lives. Lord, we give you control of everything that's going on. Lord, we're not going to take it back and try to fix it. You got it. It's in your hands, and we surrender it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, I, want, I want yeah, come on. Isn't that good? Uh, answer this question for me. Why do, we, uh, why do we stand when we worship here in this church Instead of sit. I mean, there's plenty of precedence for it in, in mm -hmm. Scripture, but give me the practical application. Why is that? Because not all of us come from, from, some, from the same background, so why do we do that? Yeah, uh, again, two things. I think, number one, it, it's, a sign of, it's a sign of reverence. I think about sitting in a courtroom, and when the judge comes into the room, all everybody rise. stands. All rise. Yeah. Everybody yeah. stands. Yeah. Out of sign of respect. We're, we're, we're not, we're not uh, uh, just respecting you because you have a nice, big, flat, you know, black, flowy yeah, yeah. robe. It's, you've gone through a lot of work, a lot of schooling, a lot of training. You have earned this position, and so we're recognizing that. Mm -hmm. um, number two, it's a sign of unity, and it's just an action that together um, we're engaging in, 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 in seeking the Lord and yeah, seeking corporately. his presence. Yeah. Um, I, my favorite example of this is I'm a big fan of European football, a.k.a. soccer. Um, so, yeah. Why? Woo, come on now. <coughs> Everton. Woo. Uh, sorry. Um, so, uh, it, one, it, one it, friend. Well, yeah. yeah. It's all right. It's all right. We got we to we stick together. Come on. We got this. We're growing in numbers. Um, so, uh, if, you ever, if you've ever seen any of these big Europe, especially these big matches, I mean, there's thousands and thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people in these stadiums. And um, each team normally will have a, what they call a supporter section. So, um, sometimes these, these uh, fans have to travel thousands of miles. They have to spend all of this money to get to this game. And so they all stand in this section together. And you'll notice once the ball is kicked off, so essentially once the game starts, during play, none of those people are sitting down. They're all standing. And if you ever have, have, have ever seen this or heard the, oh, 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 like during in the background, they're like all chanting I, and I, cheering. I've never heard that. Yeah, 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 you have. Um, uh, uh, so if you, you, you've heard them all chanting, cheering together, being in unity together. Um, 
And, and, and that's a cool picture I get because yeah. essentially uh, they're excited. They're saying, okay, we're going to stand up. We're going to all together engage in what's going on yeah. on the field. And that's exactly what yeah, we're doing and, when and we stand. And, you know, uh, those of you that um, are cultured and have money, you go to the symphony. And at the symphony, you sit there. I, I've never been. And you sit there, as I understand it, and you listen and you watch them and you talk about, man, those Asian kids are so good on those instruments. And, uh, <laughs> and, he, oh, and, and wow, that person's so amazing. Wow, I like that sound. Oh, I like this progression. Oh, I like that they did Mozart's whatever, blah, 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 blah. And you sit there and you evaluate what they're doing. When we worship together, you're not evaluating the band. We're engaging yeah. with the, the King of Kings and the Lord yeah, of Lords. There's an engagement. It's not a production for us. To receive from it's an, an engagement, and I always tell him like this. You know, he he made mention to some type of football that I have no idea what he's talking about. I'd like to mention how American football works, American football, and so when, I, I, so uh, when they when they what 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 these worship leaders are for us, they're the ones that come running out of the tunnel first, and we're falling behind them onto the field of play. That's what they are. They're not performing for us and we're spectating. No, they're leading out and we're right there on their heels into the presence of the Lord, into the throne of God. They are literally our worship leaders, not our worship performers. And so it's very, and we're very hard on them about that too. That's why you'll see them like like we're we're very particular. Listen, you're not gonna you're not gonna do that. You're not gonna ah, 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 ah. you're not gonna do all that. Okay, this ain't what you do. This you should join the worship team. I, 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 we, I, well, we might be able to find a spot for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the best one on the front row. Give yeah. it, give it, give it. I'm right there with you. And so th- I think that's really why we stand instead of sit. Okay, so let me ask you another question, a little bit more um, kind of in practical everyday life. Um, how do you choose what worship music that you personally engage in? Because I know that you don't just worship on Sundays. Worship is a lifestyle for you, which is what we're crying out that all of us would be like. How do you choose the worship music that, because there's a lot out there. Yeah. I mean, worship has become like the cool thing yeah. in the last 10 years. Yeah. You know, everybody's making a worship CD right. and wants you to buy it. And, you know, they want their dollar off of iTunes. So right. how, how, do you, how do you pick, like, how do, what's the kind of the, how do you know what's good? Let me yeah. say it like that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, music is very engaging. And so um, uh, music, obviously, throughout history, throughout time, has been something that kind of, engages your heart, engages your emotions. Um, And I will say it like this. There are, like, amazing men and women of God who love Jesus with all of their heart, who are building his kingdom and are doing great things for God, who are presenting music as art. As as a it's, it's a presentation, and yep. there's nothing wrong with that. I grew up in, in the church and loving music, and so I remember going to Christian music festivals and all of this kind of stuff yeah. and enjoying that. That's great. Um, I think when but you're talking, that's ta- not worship, right? That's not that's not like a corporate worship, or even or even more of a sense of what we would call a theocentric. Uh, viewpoint of right. worshiping Jesus. Right. Theocentric is essentially just saying, Lord, we're going to give glory to you. I am going to push all of my emotion, all of my praise, all of my joy. It's going to be centered on you. Um, and that I, looks a little bit like this. So what yeah. we've seen is a real rise in the last few years of what we would call me-centric worship. Yeah. You know, I need you. I'm painfully in difficulty. Oh, God, come to my rescue. Opposed to, you are good. You are God. You are seated on the throne, reigning and ruling in majesty. I am so grateful for all that you have done. You are the God of the... See the difference in what is theocentric or God-centered versus me-centered. And And what happens with me-centered worship is it it yields itself to do what it just does. Makes you all concerned about you. Instead of putting your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith. Instead yeah. of that, you're putting your eyes on your problem and hoping that God comes and runs to your situation and, and intervenes in some kind of capacity. And I, I think it's cool to look at Psalms. I, I think someone might even respond to that by saying, well, Psalms is all about David's talking about his pain and all yep. his problems yep. and all this kind of stuff. There's this constant um, sort of ebb and flow in Psalms, uh, whether it be one of the, the, the Psalms that David wrote or, or regardless, um, where it's like, okay, God, yes, I'm going through this stuff, yada, yada. I go through, I present to you my problems, but at the end, you're still God. Oh, yeah, every at time. At the end, you're still in control. Every at time. At the end, my problems don't dictate what I'm going through. Yeah. It doesn't dictate how my heart is going to respond, which is to worship you. You know, as I, I, when I was 
directing the Bible School Christ for the Nations a few years ago, we had these elders who were older men in the faith who'd been in, in Christianity, you know, since dirt. Amazing men, loved them so much. And they were kind of the guardian of things that would come in and out. You know, there's always goofy doctrinal stuff that'll happen. And we were singing that song. It was brand new to us, and we thought it was so, you know, so wonderful. And then heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss in my heart. And we're just all like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and one of our elders grabbed the mic. Stop right now. Let me tell you something. Every one of you, Jesus is not your lap dog who kisses you on the face. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're all like, oh, we repent. We're sorry. <laughs> but he was making a good point to us. And, 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 and it was an extreme point, but it was a righteous point in that we can be so caught up in, in what we want God to do for us that we stop realizing he is God. And so there's a little, it's a fine line to walk, and, and we're back and forth on it all the time just because we're human, and we're, and, we're, and we're trying to be authentic and say, God, I really am hurting. And, and, and I think there's a place for that, to, to Pastor Lance's point, but at the same time that the end result of it is, you are good, yeah. you are God, you are Lord, and we're singing your praises, not our difficulties, and I think that's the key piece. Yeah. I, I want to ask you another question, and that is, uh, you constantly are asking us as a congregation to do this. There's plenty of passages in Scripture, like Psalms 96, verses 1 and 2, it says, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. But multiple places of scripture it says, sing to the Lord a new song. What is a new song? Yeah, new song. What um, does that mean? I, this is the best example I could give. So um, for those of you who are married or, or maybe you're in a relationship or, or you're single, we'll, we'll pray for the single people. Um, no, uh, <laughs> Like it's that's why you're here. No, that's why you're here to get married. No, yeah, no, no, no. no. We, I'm, just kidding, I'm, just I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Joking. Joking. New song. <laughs> um, so, new song. So, imagine this. So, you or your significant, you and your significant other, uh, you want to write a love note to each other. Now, imagine you would get a love note. You open it and say, "Dear so and so, I'm going to love you like I'm going to lose you. I'm, I'm going to hold you like I'm saying goodbye. Signed, such and such." <laughs> It would be, be like, wait, and what? Sign, and you signed your name. Yeah, you signed your name. Or, oh, dear so-and-so, uh, you know, you make me feel so young. You make me feel like spring has sprung. <laughs> you make me feel so young. Sign such and such. <laughs> sign, sign, yeah, whoever. Uh, that would be really awkward. It would be really weird, right? It might be funny the first time, but imagine, uh, seriously, imagine if that was the only communication you got was, and if you don't know what I was doing, I was just reciting song lyrics. Those are, those are essentially Popular. songs that have already been written. Yeah. Um, to that point, uh, singing a new song to the Lord, lifting your voice to the Lord, you're writing a love note to Jesus. Uh, you know, my, my wife is a big uh, words person, and she loves written notes. And so, um, especially if, if she gets like a birthday card or something like that, she can't stand it when someone gives her a birthday card and just signs their name. She loves when you write a little, even just a couple sentences or a paragraph, you write something, because what does it do? It shows that you've taken time to do it, number one. Number two, it shows that you have personalized this thing, this gift, or this card uh, to her. Um, and, and that moment when we, when we uh, encourage you just to lift your voice, that's your moment to just tell the Lord in your own words, God, I love you. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm going through this thing, but God, I just trust you. And it's this amazing thing that, um, you know, we were talking about it yesterday when we were going over this message. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll just look at my wife and I'll just say one little word and it'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, that little thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, what's up? You know, so... Uh, it, it, that, this is this is that moment with this is that moment with God. You know what I'm saying? This is that moment. I, 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 I know what you're saying. Right, right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> maybe you could maybe you could illustrate that for us. With yeah, the, uh, yeah. Let me. Let, let's get a little example of that today. Just, uh, I love what Pastor Lance said in the first service. He said, you know, uh, maybe you're not comfortable singing, um, but just declaring out of your mouth, God, you know, it, you know, thank you that my Ford Ranger is still rolling, you know. It's a personalized communication to the Father. Instead of singing just the words that someone else wrote, expressing love to God, uh, there's a place in Scripture we see, and there's a place for us to have our own interaction where we kind of sing um, our love song or tell our gratefulness or personalize our communication to the Father. And, um, and when we do that corporately, it kind of looks a little bit like this. Yeah, so um, 
if you're if you're musically inclined, uh, I would just encourage you find a note. I'm in the key of G, so even something like this note right here. And all I'm going to do is I'm just going to begin to tell the Lord uh, that I love Him. Why don't we just kind of pick a theme and just say, Lord, that we love you. If, if you're comfortable with this, would you just lift your voice with me? Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Jesus, I love you, Lord. You're faithful, you're good. Oh, my heart, my affection is for you. And if you're not comfortable singing, just begin to tell the Lord in your own voice how much you love Him. Lord, I love you. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Now, how do we take that um, to everyday life in our jobs? Yeah. You know, you, um, you, most people don't know this about you, but we, we don't have the resources to pay you as a full-time worship leader. And we just give you a stipend, and then you work a couple other jobs. But one of the, your main sources of income is, is you install doors. Uh, Home Depot uh, sends you out. You're your own business, self-employed, but they give you the... And so you're in people's homes. You're measuring. You're buying. You know, you're purchasing pieces. You're back and forth. Uh, you know, you're drilling. You're, you know, you're... Uh, how, do you, how do you incorporate worship into that? How do, yes. I mean, it's one thing to worship at church. How do I, how do, I do it every day? Yeah, so um, one thing that we all have in common here, um, um, unless you work at home and then you have a distinct advantage over everybody else, uh, but one thing we all have in common is most of us, when we go to our jobs, we've got a bit of a drive. Come on, DFW. Bless the Lord. (laughs) (coughs) Public transit, what? Um, So you're in your car um, for 20, 30, some of us 45 minutes, even up to an hour, um, and that is a perfect perfect time especially if you're by yourself because you've got complete control over what you're doing in the car now obviously you don't want to get lost in the spirit and close your eyes and lift your hands and get (laughs) off the wheel right jesus take the wheel what a perfect yeah no no don't don't do that he he, chances are trying to build faith chances are but okay all right let's build faith other ways um so but, but that's a perfect opportunity for you to set the atmosphere. Um, for me personally, I have a, you know, a bunch of songs on my phone. I just plug it into my little deal, turn it on, and that is a, my own personal worship set. I've got however many, 20, 30, 45 minutes that I can just enjoy the Lord. I can talk to Him. Yeah. I can do all that kind of stuff. So yeah. that is a perfect, perfect opportunity. And let me sidebar for a little bit. So some of you, you know, you've not uh, been serving the Lord a very long time, and, and your music list, you know, is still the Beatles. Let me give you another concept. <laughs> Of what some, some what you could do, um, you know, there's uh, a lot of different apps out there and, and programs. Uh, you know, iTunes, obviously. You know, those of us that are a little older, you know, after we left the eight track, we went to cassette. And the beauty of cassette was you could put it in your cassette player and listen to the radio, and you could push record for your favorite song and record it on your cassette. Well. And then you would, and then you would pause, and the next cool song would come on, and you hit re- unpause it and record that one. And you can make up your own playlist, and you'd have it on your on your cassette. And you're like, "Want to hear my jams, baby?" And you'd have your jam going. And so, and then it, it kind of upgraded, and they had CDs. And then we're like, "Yeah!" And we got our CDs, and and, and, and you, you you burn in your buddy's music, you know, on your CT off his computer. And now what's happened is all going digitized, and uh, and and so you can literally create your own playlists and iTunes and things like that. Well, what I've done just to give you a little bit of encouragement I, I, on my iPhone, I, I've downloaded the app called Spotify. It's a free app, and it allows you um, for uh, to pick any music you want and listen to it. And uh, you pick the artist, punch it in. Hit play and it starts randomly playing their music, and then it, it, if it's the free version, then every thirty minutes they put in a commercial, you know, and uh, it, you know, so that'll mess you up if you're in the deep presence of the Lord, and all of a sudden they start selling you cars. It's an interesting experience, it really is. You know, I was listening to, to Jesus Culture the other day, and uh, and and all of a sudden now for your next advertisement piece, I'm like, oh dang, there goes the Lord. Anyway, and so, but it's a great little plan, and and Spotify again, it's free. Put it on your phone and make your playlist. Uh, I think uh, iTunes is trying to keep up and Google Play now. Google Play. And so you got to co- and, 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 and get you a list. Now, what are some of the worship uh, 
artists that you trust and and, 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 and kind of engage with? Yeah, good place to start. Um, Hillsong. Uh, They're always staying. Yeah, they've got a bunch of different offshoots, but Hillsong has, has been relevant and been kind of the forefront of the modern worship mu- movement for 20 years. It's, yeah. they're, they're great. Um, Bethel uh, in Redding, California, they're, they're fantastic. Uh, Brian and Jen Johnson are the pastors, uh, worship pastors there. Um, I'm really enjoying the new CD from Elevation Worship. They came out with a CD in February. It's just rocking my world right now. Um, Tasha Cobbs is a great gospel artist. She is really anointed and she just is, loves the Lord. And um, Israel Houghton, Houghton, however you say it. Yeah. Uh, he's got some great stuff, too. He's been around for probably 10, been 15 years. Been through something recently. And, so, yeah, yeah so, made the news. Um, and then uh, one other one I, I like is uh, Anthony Evans. He's uh, Tony Evans' son. Yeah, you, Pastor, you might, Pastor yeah, Evans. You might remember him from he, – he won or came second up – runner-up in American Idol a couple years ago. And he's got some great worship music, uh, very anointed singer. Yeah. So. And so, so I would encourage you to create a playlist, have it on your phone. And, um, you know, I was talking uh, with one of our, our, our leaders, one of our uh, uh, pastors uh, – Matt Malark, I don't know if he's here, I didn't see him, but we were talking a couple weeks ago. Matt had this encounter with the Lord where the Lord began to challenge him, listen, I want you to be in my presence every moment of the day. Well, he, uh, he's a cabinet maker, and uh, he, he's brought into apartment complexes and building out cabinets. He's in people's homes. And so what he started doing the last few weeks, and wait till you hear this testimony, he started just on his phone, you know, and hooking his headphones in, and he'll tell the, the person whose home he's in, listen, I'm going to be back here working. I'm going to have my headphones in, so if you need me, wave at me. I don't want to, that way you can you know, you can have conversations and you're not thinking I'm overhearing them and I'm just going to be listening to my music. And he said, what's happened? He's been listening to his worship music and worshiping the Lord as he's working. And he said, pastor, you're not going to believe it. He said, I'm finishing my day earlier than I've ever finished. He said, I'm making the least amount of mistakes I've ever made because literally he's bringing the presence of the Lord into his work environment. He said, I'm sharper. He said, the other day I went to cut something and then right as I went to cut it, I felt the, the literally I felt the nudging of the Lord. I was listening to this worship. He said, stop and remeasure. He said, I went and remeasured, remeasured remeasured it, and I would have cut it uh, shorter than it needed to be by about six inches. He said, I would have had to go back to Home Depot, re-get the whole thing, would have lost two hours of work, all because the Lord caught me in it because I was in his presence. I would encourage you, whether you work in a cubicle, whether you're self-employed, whether whatever it can be, you can find a way to create the presence of the Lord in your work environment. I promise you, you'll get more done. You'll be sharper than you ever. You'll make more money than you ever made. Bring God's presence into your environment on a day-to-day basis. I want to end with this thought process, and it's real important to me as your pastor to help you unearth some of the lies and tricks of the enemy. And what I've learned in my Christian walk all these years is that each and every one of us have days, I'm sorry to use a Christian curse word, days that suck. That's just truth. I'm just being honest and real. They're just bad days. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Bad weeks, bad years. Some of you have had a bad century. I, I get it. I'm tracking with you. Okay? And, and, and you're just like, you know, it's so tough. And I agree with you on that. And here's the problem. We all medicate. We all do it. You may medicate by playing Candy Crush for three hours so you don't have to think about your problems. You may medicate by, by, by a case of beer so that you don't have to think about you, the difficulty you're going through. You may medicate by, by watching YouTube clips or watching TV all night long. We all medicate. We, we medicate some of us with substance abuse and things like that. We medicate whether losing our temper just to get it all out and going off on somebody that, that you know, won't leave us. And that's why we feel the confidence to do that. We all medicate. Well, the scripture recognizes that and gives us great wisdom on that in Ephesians chapter 5. If you look at the earlier verses, I'm going to quote uh, verses 18 through 20. But the earlier verses, 16 and 17, says, Knowing then that the days are evil, how then should we live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity? So, so the Bible's qualifying, hey, the days are evil. The days are full of poop sometimes. They're hard days. Then we don't need to be unwise. We need to be wise making the most of the opportunities that God's giving us. And then it goes into verse 18 with the craziest thought process. And it says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, 
sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what the Lord has just done for you, and he put it in his scripture. He says, I recognize you're going to have difficulty. I'm recognizing even that the church in Ephesus are, are tempted to go back to drinking, and ultimately those few beers are going to lead to more beers, to more kinds of alcohol until they're drunk, which is sin and leads to debauchery. And he's saying, listen, I got a better plan for you. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit and express that through praise and worship and singing songs to one another and declaring his goodness in your heart of hearts and your mind of mind. And as you do that, remember what I taught you last week? The presence of the Lord will come. Yes. The presence of the Lord will come. All of you, all of us get to Sunday and we're repenting of something that we feel guilty about. And mostly it's because of the way we medicated over the difficulty that we went through that week. And I want to teach you this whole series. I'm trying to wrap it up with this point. And that is this. You don't have to be addicted anymore. You don't, have, you don't have to have fits of rage anymore. You don't have to have a beer or two to calm your nerves or a glass of wine to calm your nerves. You can have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life and you ignite that and engage that as you begin to praise and make melody in your heart and say, you are good. I want to kill them, but you are good. I want to stab everybody, but you are wonderful and I bless your holy name. Great is my God and wonderful is his name and all my situations he holds in the palm of his hand. Why do the nations rage? Why do they declare concern for our God sustains it all? That is what praise does and worship does. And I promise you, you won't need the beer. You won't need the glass of wine. But I thought it was interesting that he started with alcohol. Why didn't he say, listen, you know, instead of going out and punching somebody in the face, just begin to praise. Why? Because in that day, and I think it's still significant today, it's one of our chief ways to medicate. Because, listen, I don't know one person that takes a sip of alcohol or takes those pills. They're not trying to numb something. I don't care. You can't convince me. I've been pastoring too long. You don't like to taste that much. You're trying to numb something. That's what you're trying to do. And it's just not wisdom. And it'll lead you to debauchery and lead you to sin. That's what the Bible's talking about. But there's a better plan. That's what I love about the Lord. He's, see, old dead religion says don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And somehow by not doing that, you'll be good. That's not the scriptures at all. The scripture says, hey, that's going to hurt you. Let me tell you a good and better way. Come, experience the Lord, and, and he'll change your desires. And he'll, he'll deliver you from the pain of all those pieces. And so I want to just take a moment today. Let's stand. Come on, we'll stand as we close out. And I want to just take a moment and put into practice what we've learned today. And I want to lift our hands for the next 120 seconds. And I want to sing out, I want you to sing out to the Lord, maybe a new song, or you can sing with us this song. But I want you to right now, here and now, stop medicating and make a decision. I'm not going to medicate with all these other things. I'm not going to watch, I'm not going to binge eat anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to learn to worship in my times of stress and depression and my times of being mishandled and misappropriated. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say, guys, excuse me, I'm going to step out of this meeting right now because I need to go over here and I'm going to put my worship on for about five minutes and I'm going to just get God's presence and then I won't go punch a wall and have to be embarrassed at church that I got broken knuckles. I'm going to start medicating because we do need we do need medication for the difficulties of life, but I've learned the great medication is through worship, empowering the Holy Spirit to work in my life. So would you lift your hands with me and Pastor Lance today as we just begin to sing this. Oh, I surrender all. Come on, look how much better that is than a glass of wine. I surrender Or a bucket of chocolate. All. Or a fit of rage. All to thee, I surrender. I surrender. Look at the peace. Look at the peace you're feeling.
lower your hands across the room and bow your heads with me. I pray that you caught the great lesson of heaven. You are a worshiper. I get to pastor the greatest worshipers on the planet. It's a privilege to know you, to watch you trust your God, to overcome the things, the traps, the plans of the enemy to destroy you. It's amazing to watch these things happen. May this series solidify, mark you, brand you, tattoo you with that of a worshiper. Do you know the power of God fighting your battles as you worship? Do you know the, the ability to bring God's presence into a situation where you don't feel Him, you don't sense Him? A man went to attack me one day and I began to worship God. He couldn't take it because the presence of the Lord showed up in that horrible moment. What was about to be tragic turned to the greatest miracle and he took off running as the presence of the Lord came. Learn this lesson, my friend. It'll sustain you all the days of your life. Now, if you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, i got to be honest, I'm away from God. It's a struggle for me to even worship because I know my sin is just yelling at me in the back of my mind. It's glaring at me. I feel the stench of my rebellion. Maybe you've never been a Christian, but today you sense the Creator of heaven and earth wants a relationship with you. You can feel it. You can sense it listen don't push that away that's beautiful the God who created you wants to redeem you and wants to become best friends with you maybe you say pastor I used to serve God but I got away from me life happened I'd never meant for it but it just just has and I'm here today because I'm, I'm, I'm hungry for God but I don't know the starting point friend the starting point is a restart where you come back to the Lord you repent and say Lord forgive me and He cleanses you and makes you new again. Today, if you're away from God, you've never been a Christian, or you want to come back to Him, I'd like to pray with you. It takes a humbling of yourself. It takes you to admit, I'm a sinner and I need God to forgive me. It, it, it's a lifting of the hands where you say, I, I surrender. I, I'm tired of doing this in my own strength. I need God. It's a humbling. It really is. They say, oh, I did that time and time again, but I keep going back to my old drugs and and it don't work for me. It just don't work for me. I guess I'm a bad apple. Friend, you bought a lie. You bought one of the greatest tricks. The enemy's been using that for thousands and thousands of years. You, what you're saying is that God's not big enough to forgive you and fix you. And friend, you're lying to yourself. If he can create the world and create us, I surely think he can fix you and help you with that addiction, help you with that habit. He can fix you. No, your problem really is, is that you've not com ever really completely surrendered. I promise you that's what it is. I know I can say that boldly because I was that man. I was that person. I served him when it was convenient, but not when it was hard. And that takes death, dying to yourself, and desires to change. And you say, I don't want to love this anymore. I want to love you. And when you come to that place, which you are here today, God will meet you there. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, you're talking to me. It's time for me to be right with the Lord. I want to repent. I want to come back to him. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to humiliate you. But I want to pray for you. And you need to be courageous enough to admit that to yourself and to the Lord by lifting your hand right now. If that's you, say, that's me. Lift your hand. God bless you, sir. Thank you, sir. Somebody else. Come on, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ladies. God bless you, son. God bless you, man of God. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. I see your hand. You can put it back down. God bless you. Come on. You're just being real with God. You're admitting that and on it, owning that. And in this moment, freedom is coming to you. Is there anybody else? You've got three more seconds. Thank you, sir. I saw it. Anybody else? I don't want to miss it. I want to pray with you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Man, there's some amazing people in this room who are being honest with themselves and honest with the Lord. Something's going to happen here for you, sir. Ma'am, it's going to happen right here. It's all going to die right here and everything's going to become new. Thank you, Father. There's been about 10, 12, 15 of you lifted your hand. I want to lead you in a prayer. A prayer of repentance. I want to introduce you to the Lord. I want to reintroduce some of you back to the Lord. You say, what do I got to do? Nothing. He did it all on a cross. He paid for it all. Your response is simply, I repent. Have, have mercy on me. I give you everything. Teach me how to serve you. That's, that's your response to what he already did. And you've already started that process by lifting your hand and being honest with yourself and with the Lord. But not pretending to be something you're not. Thank you for that. Pretentious people drive me insane. Oh, I love real people. With all of our mess ups, 
God loves that too. He says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, to the honest. So I want to pray with you. I'm about to lead you in a prayer of repentance, and I want you to repeat it with me. There's nothing magical about the words. What's supernatural is that you are admitting you need God. God did that. Because no man can manipulate you to do what you don't want to do. Come on, let's be honest. You're responding to his love right now. And you're tired of life being the way it's been. And you recognize you need to repent. And so I'm going to lead you in that prayer. In fact, I want everyone in the congregation to pray this out loud for the 10, 15 that lifted their hands. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, come beat it with all of your heart. Jesus, today, I give it all to you. I surrender my life. I ask you, forgive me. Cleanse me. I acknowledge I've been a sinner. And here and now, I repent and ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me whole. Write my name in your book of life. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed. Father, I pray right now for every man and woman in this room who lifted their hand, maybe for the first time or for a rededication, whatever it may be, may they know that they are forgiven right now in Jesus' name. May they know it's over. May they know that something new has started. Lord God, it may just be a little seedling. Yeah, maybe they're not ready to raise the dead, cast out devils. But Lord God, they started the process. They are right with you. And if they die today, they would be welcomed in heaven just as much as anyone else in this room. Father, may they know in their knower that you are good. And Lord, all the fears, all the temptations, all the insecurities, may they just be quieted in their mind and may faith drop into them that you are able to help them overcome every plan of the enemy and that they are right with you in Jesus' name. Would you join hands with that person next to you? I'd like to close this series out with just a prayer. We've gone a little long. It's because Lance didn't talk fast enough. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> I'm just being silly. It was my fault. I apologize. We're just so excited. But I want to I pray that you and I would be worshipers and that we would bring God's presence into those horrible moments, those places at our job where, where literally things go way wrong, that we would bring God's presence into the battlegrounds and stop doing it in ourselves, and we would learn the confidence of worshiping the Savior, that you would be such a worshiper that your neighbors, your relatives, your co-workers say, I want your God. I want your God. Because you have such confidence in Him. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you that you're blessed. I thank you that we will be worshipers. That, Lord God, that we don't even know what that looks like, Lord. We're still figuring it out. Father, teach us how to worship in our job. Teach us how to worship in our house. How to have the peace of God in our living room. And Lord God, that our children would see us with our hands lifted up, walking through the hallway, declaring you're good. Even when we get that bill that we can't pay, that we'll bring you onto the scene, Lord God, through worship and praise. That Lord, the declarations of our mouth and the meditation of our heart would be pleasing in your sight, oh God. That Lord, each and every one of us, oh God, would sing our song. To declare our, our pieces, write our love letters to you. Declare you are good from our experience, not from somebody else's, not from somebody else's piece of their, of their life, but from our life and what you've done for us. And we declare that you are good. Say this with me out loud. Jesus, you are good. You are good. And I love you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I close with just a couple of thoughts before I let you go?